This is a Podcast 225 production. Welcome to The Waiting Room on Podcast225.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Waiting Room. This is Katie Fetzer, um, your host of The Waiting Room, along with my co-host, Dr. Mary Catherine Rodrigue. Um, And for those of you just tuning in, Dr. Roderick and I both co-own the Wellness Studio, which is our private practice for mental health counseling. Um, And the waiting room is your kind of way to be able to gain insight on how Dr. Roderick and I apply psychology and mental health to various topics. Um, We often have expert panelists and members of our community, and we're here to kind of demystify and discuss the meaning behind some of the madness. Um, So we appreciate you tuning in. You can find us on iTunes under The Waiting Room or podcast225.com. We would love you to be able to subscribe, subscribe, leave a rating and review. And today, just as a brief introduction, today, um, Dr. Roderick, actually, I'm going to ask her some questions, and we're going to be talking about grief and all the things that go along with that. And Dr. Roderick has a lot of experience in grief, and also um, we're going to be able to kind of ask her some questions and be able to get some information to you guys that we think that will be helpful. A brief disclaimer, the contents of our show are not meant to be mistaken for mental health counseling. And we want to make that very clear um, so that if you are listening and you find yourself wanting to know how to find a counselor or connect with a counselor, you can certainly call us at 225-448-3359 or you can call your local physician, um, a pediatrician or talk with, um, look at your insurance panel and they can help you connect with a mental health professional. So we're going to take a quick break and we will be back shortly with Dr. Rodrigue and talk about grief. Podcasts have become a great way to get radio on demand. If you've wanted your own podcast, the time to call us is now. This year, Podcast 225 will be launching new shows and yours can be one of them. You won't have to build your own website and you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment that will make your show sound amazing. If you'd like to know more, call 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Be a part of the on-demand audio movement today. Clay Young here with David Day with the Day Group talking about the 2017 LeaderCast event presented by Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge. Here's the deal, Clay. If I told you that you could go to a world-class conference, it's it's actually the world's largest one-day leadership conference, and you could hear world-class speakers, Mm -hmm. we'd feed you breakfast, lunch, and give you all your materials. Wow. The program starts at 8, it ends at 3, and you didn't have to leave home. What would you say to that? Yes, please. Yeah, that's what we're doing. That's LeaderCast 2017 sponsored Where by. is it? It's at the Brown Holt Auditorium at the campus of the Dunham School, and it features Tyler Perry, Daniel Pink, Susie Welch, and a host of other amazing speakers. You just don't want to miss that. And you were going to say it's sponsored by Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge. Sponsored by Mercedes-Benz, and that's world-class I mean, stuff there. And man. let's tell them again when and where. Okay, May 5th. Coming up soon, May 5th, so hurry up and get your tickets. Go to LeaderCastBR.com. It's at the Brown Holt Auditorium right here in Baton Rouge, May 5th, LeaderCastBR.com. Welcome back Back to The Waiting Room. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Waiting Room. Um, We are talking about grief today, and Dr. Mary Catherine Rodrigue, who is 
the host, a co-host to the waiting room is going to kind of be in the, in the chair for me to ask questions. Um, cause she has a lot of experiences with grief, which I guess would be a good place to start. Yeah. Um, why don't we start off with you telling us, um, and telling our listeners a little bit about your experiences with grief. Yeah, sure. So, um, I guess I'll start professionally with my experiences with grief. So, um, I know I've talked about this on the show before, but, uh, my, my, uh, certification and specialty, uh, is psychosocial oncology, which is, um, treating, uh, working with the mental health of individuals diagnosed with cancer. And so, um, getting that training, a big element of that was, was grief work. And I remember when I was presenting my, uh, the psychosocial oncology support program to the administration at the hospital where I was working and I talked a lot about grief. They said, whoa, 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 you can't talk about grief to survive cancer survivors. And I said, well, I mean, I think if you break down the grief cycle, um, I think we're constantly grieving all the time. And so it just gave me, um, it just made me so interested mm-hmm. in really exploring the phases of grief, the myths uh, with grief. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I continued on with some continuing education just on learning more about how grief impact uh, impacts our lives and how we can work through grief and really heal and take that as an experience that that moves us forward and, and creates resiliency. Uh, personally, uh, I'm pretty open about this, but I uh, lost my husband at a young age. And so um, dealing with grief on a personal level and then also every day in a professional space um just made me want to find kind of as much information as Mm -hmm. possible and and use that in a lot of treatment planning and working with individuals absolutely yeah and i i appreciate you sharing that because i think that a lot of viewers can hopefully um attach to that and find it to be find you to be relevant in the sense that you not necessarily only just hold professional experiences in grief yeah and certifications but you also on a personal level can relate more intimately yeah i learned that um in a support group once i was running for young widow and widowers and it was and not to make it not to discredit grief at all, but it gives you like the street cred when people have lost someone and they're in so much pain and they have a professional trying mm-hmm. to tell them or what they perceive as someone trying to tell them how they feel. Um, but when they, when you can share like, you know, I've had some very relatable grief experience it all of a sudden you can just kind of see this wall come down. Sure. And that's when the space really opens up to work on the different phases of grief, grief and the healing. Absolutely. And on, on top of those experiences that Dr. Roderick just talked about, um, she also ha- holds a PhD in mental health counseling. And a lot of our training does um, include learning about grief yeah. as well. So in addition to that, and you've practiced for now... A little over 10 years. 10 years. <laughs> I'm officially years. old now. A little over 10 years. And, and throughout that process, she's worked... Um, with clients who have endured grief or overcoming grief. Yeah. Um, and at one point served as a director at Mary Bird Perkins, which is our cancer center, local cancer center here. Um, so she did a lot of grief work there as well. Yeah. And I have to, I have to give a lot of credit to a, a colleague and mentor of mine, uh, Jan Cahoe, who founded the grief center, uh, Seasons Grief Center in mm-hmm. New Orleans. Um, she, uh, she's got this nickname called the goddess of grief because she, she worked in hospice care, I think for 30 years and in her private practice setting. I mean, her, she really um, helped me understand and, and process grief as well as how to treat mm-hmm. grief. So. Wow. Just a shout out for Jan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's dig into this topic. We know yeah. that this is um, obviously not a topic that we want to be seen as taken lightly. Right. Um, it's a very it's a very challenging topic to talk about. And we hope to kind of just, you know, obviously from where we are sitting right now, we are 
hoping to kind of humanize it in a way instead of just talking about it very matter of factly. But at the same time, we want to give you guys some information that we think could be helpful. Uh, so why don't we start off just as an intro to grief? Um, how would you kind of define grief? Yeah. So, um, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross is considered kind of this grandmother of the the grief cycle and defining the grief cycle. Um, and I think that when you look at the phases of grief that she, um, that she clearly defined in a theoretical orientation, it really can be applied to many facets of life and that aren't just death. So I'd like to start mm-hmm. off with just saying that grief can be present in your life in many different ways. You can grieve people. You can grieve cities when you move. You can grieve experiences. You can grieve pets. I remember when I was in the doc program, there was someone doing their dissertation on pet bereavement, and I thought that that was just so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I want you can grieve your health if you're diagnosed with some illness, uh, if you have experienced some trauma. So when you when you um, what you may be experiencing could be like the five stages of grief. So Mm -hmm. we're going to start with the initial one, which is shock. Um, If you say you have a a cancer diagnosis, that's the one kind of always go to, but um, initially you're shocked. You thought, thought you were in perfect health. You're maybe too young for this, or um, it was just not something that you expected. Then you move into denial. Well, maybe they read the test wrong. Maybe I need another opinion. This can't be happening to me. This is not really happening to me. Then you move into anger. Why is this happening to me? I try to live a healthy life or I'm a good person or I know people that have mm-hmm. really bad habits. Why is it not happening to them? Um, is If it's hereditary, this is my family's fault. Then you can move into bargaining, which is if you just take this away, I promise I will live a healthier life. I, I, I won't, um, I'll treat my family and my friends better. I will, mm-hmm. um, take care of better, better care of myself. Just that in that, that bargaining can is, could be with God. It could just be with some higher power. It could just be with yourself. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then you move into acceptance, which is, I like to say is that road of bitter or better. And the, the bitter, the better road is often an uphill battle, but it's the one that's going to sustain you into healing. Mm-hmm. Um, bitter is just kind of sitting there and being kind of like we were talking about in our previous episode about that victim versus survivor. Yeah. Um, it's how to accept kind of what's happened to you in your life. How do you take that step back? And this is where I think counseling is, is a great tool. How do you take that step back and realize, okay, so these things happened in my life. How can I grow from them? How can I take this experience mm-hmm. and find purpose? Uh, one of the things I absolutely cannot stand is when people say, well, just everything happens for a reason. I mean, if you're in the midst of grieving, that's the last thing you want to hear. Right. Um, I do understand that concept. Mm-hmm. And I think that comes later in processing grief when you're trying to find the purpose purpose of this in your life. Um, I'll use my own experience when I, um, when I lost my husband, we were together for 10 years. So I often think he was very specific for 10 years of my life and, and through the experiences that we had, um, and the things that he taught me about life, I've used that now to, in, in many different ways in my life. So, but it takes, it takes, I think going through the grief process with a mental health professional, um, and a very comforting, compassionate setting to kind of reach this this level of acceptance. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that you really um, kind of highlighted the experience and how it kind of unfolds for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that, that, does everyone grieve the same, would you say? That does is such everyone a good question. I think that? that's, yeah, I think, um, so no, everybody is an individual. Everyone that's going to experience uh, grief very differently. 
Um, so say we'll look at the scenario of losing a family member. If, uh, say, a, a, a mom dies and she has children, she has a spouse, she has sisters, she has parents that are still living, she has cousins, I mean, co-workers. Even, and, and I think sometimes too, like say the, the mother that died had three children. Just because they, each child lost their mother doesn't mean they're going to grieve the same way. They each mm-hmm. had a very unique relationship with that person. Um, everybody, So those phases that we talked about, I, I would love to say that we go through them in a specific order with a specific like a time frame and give you right. like this handbook on grief. No, people can, can speed through those phases very quickly. Um, sometimes, I, I always say if you looked at it like a... Um, like a, a funnel where at the bottom they're they're wound up really tightly kind of mm-hmm. you're going through those emotions so quickly and then as time passes they they span out a little bit um but everybody is different i mean i think some people uh if you looked at again the cancer diagnosis they say okay i'm i'm going to beat this and they go straight to this kind of survivor mentality and oftentimes they put all of those feelings on a back burner um i think you know, you kind of, everybody, each one of those phases is going to look very different for someone. So their anger phase may not look like someone else's anger phase. So I think one of the things about grieving is this pressure we can put on ourselves to, to grieve in a specific time frame or to grieve like everyone else that lost the same person. Mm -hmm. I think that's really helpful for people to know and hear, because I think it's nice to be able to kind of been given a little bit of a, um, you know, approval and, and acceptance to know, you know, it's okay that you're grieving yeah. differently or that you're not recovering as, as fast as, as you thought and kind of lifts the, ex, you know, expectations yeah. that yeah. people might be placing on themselves. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's helpful for people to know. Um, and what come, came to mind when you were talking about, you know, some people have different relationships with coworkers, et cetera. I think about relatives or support systems that are, that are around that yeah. person and how maybe accepting or supportive they are in that person's process of grieving and how that plays a role. Yeah. Um, I think this is one of those things that really exemplifies the grieving process because people's relationships are affected. Um, and, and again, the grief can be defined in many different ways. So, um, one of the things about looking at the relationships in your life, it's, you know, say you've lost someone or you've lost your job and the person that you thought would really be there for you to be supportive and to be a listener, all of a sudden is just really distance themselves. Um, and, and you're not sure why, and then you may internalize that and think, what have I done? And is this my fault? Um, and oftentimes it's just, some people don't know how to relate to someone that is grieving. Mm-hmm. They just haven't had their own experiences. That empathy is really difficult to find because they, empathy is really how you, we connect with people because we have to find something within ourselves that we can say, okay, that feels similar. Mm-hmm. I, that helps me understand that person. Um, and if someone can't go to that place, they don't know what to say. Um, if anybody out there that's listening has lost someone, uh, I, I'm sure I've always said this. I kind of want to write a book on the things that people say at funerals because it 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 can be humorous at times and it can be it deeply hurtful at times. Um, and I think when whenever I see patients in my office and, mm-hmm. and they're they're struggling with their grief and they're like, and I can't believe this person said this. Um, that person is is probably just operating the best way they know how. Yeah. And what comes out of the mouth is what, what I don't 
and, and I can't speak for these people, but um, I don't think people intentionally want to hurt someone in those moments. I think that they struggle for what to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I like to do is empower the person that is grieving to say, okay, let's work on how you communicate with these people so you can let them know what your needs are so you're not bombarded with yeah. comments or questions that are hurtful. That's excellent to know. It, it ends up being the locus of control is shifted too. Yes. Because yes. you have the locus of control being shifted to the person that's grieving that helps them feel more in control and empowered. Right, right. Um, which is a that really illuminates for me as you're saying just how wonderful counseling can yeah. can be and that it does empower people to kind of work through things right uh, in ways that they didn't know that they could right um well and especially for people that um like when a parent loses a child mm-hmm. i find that they especially if they have other children they try to be very stoic and so they hold in so much because they don't want they 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 know everyone's looking to them to see how they're going to react and so they feel like they have to constantly be this example of Mm -hmm. we're going to pick up together as a family and we're going to move on so counseling is a great place for you to come and just release that absolutely speaking of counseling um give us a little bit of a, a highlight of of what grief counseling looks like so um, kind of a little similar to what you were talking about with um, when you were assessing trauma, mm-hmm. you want to meet the person where they are in counseling. Um, oftentimes, it, it depends when they're coming to counseling, how soon after the grief, the the, the trigger for the grief ex- was experienced. Um, you want someone to be able to feel comfortable in sharing kind of their story of what happened. Um, mm-hmm. Oftentimes, if people were there when someone passed away, there's a lot of trauma that's surrounding that. So you want them to be able to express their feelings surrounding that. They could be having the same triggers, the nightmares, the flashbacks. So you want to assess at what level they've been impacted. Mm-hmm. And then um, it's really about looking at those faces of grief and try to see from their experiences from when the grief was triggered, um, kind of where they are through that. Definitely identifying a support system. Like we're going to look at those relationships in their lives and who's in their lives and what they can expect from them. Sure. Helping them manage their expectations because there's something called compounded grief. Um, Oftentimes when someone comes in and they need to work on a very specific immediate grief, we can kind of look back through their childhood and see ways that they were experiencing grief. Mm -hmm. um, And it just, it wasn't labeled as grief. So they didn't know what those feelings really kind of were. So we're not just working with one grief we may be working with several Mm -hmm. um and then also especially with an illness um someone will um, will begin that grief process before someone actually passes away that shock with that diagnosis that begins the grief process so when someone actually passes away Mm -hmm. they might have gone through so many feelings that they do feel like they're ready to be more in that acceptance phase and how to kind of reevaluate their life and their relationships. So it's it's meeting that person where they are, identifying their support system, working on those communication skills like we just mm-hmm. talked about with um, how to, to communicate your needs to the people around you, and then self-care and appropriate coping mechanisms so you're not um, finding yourself gravitating towards more negative ways of coping with a loss. Yeah, tell us a little bit about self-care and implementing self-care. Yeah, so um, with self-care, you have to find an outlet for these feelings. Unfortunately, and I wish you could, but you can't have your counselor with you all day long. Right. Um, there's something that, and I'm going to credit this to Jan Cahoe because she she told me about this, and I felt that this was such a good, um, it was a is a good way to kind of feel empowered over my grief. She, um, you know, when you look at the first year of grief, um, and that that's actually a little bit euphoric because you have people that are. Um, 
you know, it's the first of everything. So they kind of prepare themselves. It's those moments when you're walking in the grocery store and a song comes on that reminds you of your loved one. Um, or you find your old business card to the job where that you lost that job. It's called a stug. It's a sudden traumatic upsurge of grief. And whereas all of a sudden you were fine and then you're like flooded with emotions. That's perfectly normal. So, um, in those moments you want to find what you can implement to take care of yourself, whether that's journaling that those thoughts that are coming into your Mm -hmm. head, um, just exercising or whatever self-care is for you. We define Mm -hmm. that in counseling and then how to implement it when you have those moments. Yeah. Those are, those are great things to kind of know that I think most people don't think of. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think the topic of grief, obviously we could, we could talk, um, days in on out. And I know Dr. Rodriguez would, you know, has a lot more information that she'd be willing to share. Um, but I think this is a great place for us to be able to wrap, wrap up. Um, and you know, if, if anybody here was listening and, um, something to kind of tapped into them and they want more information or they want to know where they can find a grief counselor, we would love to be able to hear from you. Um, you can visit our website at surprisinglywell.com. Um, you can also call our office at 225-448-3359. And also feel free to check out our podcast on iTunes and podcast225.com. We'd love for you to leave comments about maybe questions or comments that you would like us to hear talk more about and that we hope that you join us for our next episode. So thanks for tuning in. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Waiting Room. This has been a podcast225.com production. 